Hello and welcome to this edition of the Get Your Film Fix podcast. I am Jeremy Fisk. I'm joined by Chapin Hemingway and Lee Carlo. Uh, this week, we are going to review a new movie, guys. Can you believe it? A new movie in quarantine. Um, and it's Eliza Hittman's Never Rarely, Sometimes, Always. And then we're going to try to... Uh, we're going to try to get a game going here. It's yes. going to be uh, trivia, movie trivia, Lee versus Chapin. I'll be the judge. I'll determine the winner. Um, but it's going to be a battle of the wits between those two. I didn't see you at school today. I went to the doctor. What's wrong? Girl problems. Don't you ever just wish you were a dude? All the time. This is the most magical sound you will ever hear. Down beneath the ashes I'm just not ready to be a mom. Where else could you go? Nowhere in Pennsylvania. I think you should try another place. You going to New York? What are you doing there? Seeing family and stuff. Used to be on Who came with you today? My cousin. Do you have a place to stay tonight? I know you came from far away. I'll figure it out. This area's closed. Do not sleep here. Where's the rest of the money? La, 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 la. I want to make sure that you're safe. La, la. This is hard. All right, so I, I kind of think this movie never rarely, sometimes, always. It's interesting that it's come up now uh, on our podcast for a couple reasons. Um, first, it's nice to, to review a new film because it's been nearly impossible to do that. Um, and this was a, uh, a hit at Sundance, um, last Sundance. Uh so, and also after our uh, after our discussion last week, we talked about simple, original, low budget movies and kind of like where they have gone. And here you have a movie that's simple. It's an original, low budget movie. Um, it's about almost a day or t- a few days in the life of these teenagers, one of which needs to acquire an abortion, but she can't do it in Pennsylvania, so she has to travel to New York City, and the only person that she feels comfortable doing that with is her cousin. And um, it's them navigating how to get this done. And all it is is them trying to go from Pennsylvania to New York City to get the procedure. Um, And in our discussion sort of last week, Chapin, you in particular... Um, were a bit hesitant to watch this movie mm-hmm. um, because of the subject matter, uh, because for us as three men, it's hard to relate to. Um, well, I, didn't, I didn't say that. Well, I, I, would, I would assume that that's part of it. It is hard for us to relate to this, uh, being a teenage girl having an abortion. I would assume that that's a, a bit difficult for us to relate to. 
and it's a it's a hard movie like it's a hard movie to watch it's a hard realistic sort of gritty day in the life movie so my question to you guys especially to you chapin because of you know your hesitancy to watch this is like where does a movie like this fit in the world today i mean we're looking at a I mean, we're all sort of anxious and we're all stuck at home and we're looking for escapism. Um, Everyone is talking about, you know, stuff like Tiger King. Um, We're all, you know, trying to find something in our uh, theatrical or our our movie watching experience that's going to kind of take us away from the everyday. And here is a movie that you know, brings you into a really harrowing situation. So where, where, what are the, what is the importance of movies like this? If you think there is an importance to that. And also, if you do think there is an importance to that, going back to our discussion last week, how do you get across the recommendation of that? Mm. It's a great question. And I, I was thinking about that a little bit. Um, I think what's really remarkable about this movie in particular is um, its style is very realistic. Um, I don't know if I would describe it as gritty, but maybe a little bit. It's it's very um, uh, there's not a lot there's not a ton of music. It's very um, kind of slow. There's a lot of verisimilitude, um, and the sort of product of that is that you get a really sort of intimate and sort of subjective look at what it's like to be in the situation that um, this girl, Autumn, Autumn is her character's name, is in. Um, I think particularly there's a scene where I believe the, the title of the movie comes from where um, one of the uh, Planned Parenthood therapists is asking her a series of questions um, about her, mostly about her sexual history, which I was even surprised they even ask at Planned Parenthood. Um, and of course, you answer the uh, four options: never, rarely, sometimes, always. And she's asking all these sort of terrible questions that you can't believe um, someone would ask a teenage girl. And she's, too much to our surprise, saying sometimes um, as an answer to a lot of those questions. And I think this film is particularly good at kind of putting you in those shoes and 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 doing it in a way that really allows you to experience it for yourself. Um, I think there's, there's a lot of um, things that I didn't appreciate about this movie, but that's one of the things that I certainly did. Well, that scene in particular, that was sort of the scene of the movie. That was where this movie, I would say, changed. Um, and a lot has to do with the way the camera sort of stays with Autumn right? Um, throughout this movie, but particularly in that scene. It's a longer scene in which it almost never cuts away from her as she has to sort of come to the realization of dealing with and being honest about these problems that she finds herself facing that really nobody else in her life can help her with. Yeah. I mean, I think, um, another, I don't know that I, I, you, you probably did the research, Jeremy. I didn't, but, 
I know that that particular that actress in particular, her name is Sydney Flanagan. Uh, Sydney Flanagan. This is her first role, mm-hmm. and so there's a lot of, um, and I think there's a lot of like first time actors. Um, you know, the sort of that real people casting that um, is popular among some directors, I think, is really effective here. It just gives you kind of a. Um, uh, just just the sense that like this is really happening it gives it a, a real a sense of realism in a way that um but i guess back to my original question is like is is this sort of movie something worth having right now like wh- what's its merits i think this movie its biggest strength is that to me it's not about is abortion right or is abortion wrong and i mean there's scenes in this movie that maybe overemphasize that debate. I don't um, think there's a debate in the movie. I think it's pretty one-sided. Well, it is, but there's scenes yeah. in the movie that that yeah. showcase that that debate exists. But I don't yeah. think that that's what this movie is about. Um, and that might be, you know, people's thought process or perspective going in. And maybe, maybe this is a, you know, a pro-choice left-wing movie and so to answer your question in terms of like, you know, how do we recommend this movie? What I really thought was great here is that, you know, this movie is about the fact that, you know, abortion, the decision to have an abortion is a really hard life altering choice that a woman has to make. And it delves into that. And Eliza Hitman does a really good job in all of her movies um, two others before this one uh, called it felt like love and beach rats. And you've of, seen those, uh, Lee? Yeah, I have relatively recently. Um, I, I I caught this movie caught my eye towards the end of last year. Um, looked like something interesting, so I caught up with her movies. Um, and she always has this very intimate camera work, this voyeuristic style that's intended to bring the audience into the psyche of the characters and to kind of showcase what they're going through in a very subtle but intimate way. And it's actually a little less prevalent in this movie than in the other two, but it's still effective um, for the most part. I, you know, I, I really liked the message that this movie had. I really liked how it was captured. I do have some problems with the movie, for sure. Um, and some of those unfortunately really hurt it um but ultimately i think this movie is important because it's it's digging a little deeper than the basic question that you know is is constantly addressed pro-choice or pro-life it's about it's about a woman's choice and how difficult that can be for a 17 year old that doesn't have anybody to turn to i think that's what more the story's about that last sentence you just said lee it's about that 17 year old that doesn't have anyone to turn to it's um i jeremy i think to answer sort of your question i i think that i think this movie just helps you just understand yeah, what it's like to be that the, those girls. I was thinking about, you know, the first time I went to New York City as like a as like on my own essentially, and it was you know I was about two years older than these girls, and I was in college, and I <laughs> had a place to stay, a nice place to stay, and I went to go see Rent, and I loved it, and I you know <laughs> thought about that oh, when when they were exactly parallel. What, yeah. what a what an exciting. <laughs> 
<laughs> what an exciting time to go to New York. And it was but, such a different experience. And not just because, to your point, not just because they're there to receive an abortion, but because they're underage and they're girls and they... Um, yeah, they have, have to na- navigate a lot more treacherous. Exactly, exactly, and, and they don't have any money. I mean, I went there yeah. with some resources. Some, they some they serious went with nothing. money, some serious cash. You went there with <laughs> left with yeah. none. But but the movie also it, it shows the difficulties of being you know poor and women and trying to navigate that. But it also shows them as you know you you they are teenagers, and I think part of them at points would have liked to go out and party and well, you see that the you know Skyler do, do the to. fun stuff in new york like it's still there in the back of this movie that they're 17 year old girls and they probably would enjoy new york uh on on a normal occasion hanging out with chape and going to watch <laughs> to, rent to see rent. guys you guys want to go get some tickets for rent um so did you guys um did you guys hear about that movie? This movie called Unplanned came out last year. No. no. Okay, so this is a movie. I the only reason I even heard about it is because it was on you know Apple trailers or whatever, and I wa- I saw the trailer. So this is the, the tagline for this movie is, um, and I th- I think it's actually based partially on a true story, but it's it's all Abby Johnson ever wanted to do was help women. As one of the youngest Planned Parenthood clinic directors in the nation, she believed in a, women, a woman's right to choose until the day she saw something that changed everything. Oh, yeah. This is like that Christian movie. Yeah, right? it's based It's yeah. based on a book called Unplanned by, I guess, that woman, Abby Johnson. She worked at Planned Parenthood, and then she became very much pro-life as a result of the things that she saw there. Now, this movie has a 10 on Metacritic. Okay. 10. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so 80, 82 points less than uh, Never Rarely, Sometimes, Always. And I was just curious. I was like, okay, I, I know what that movie is. I haven't seen it, but I, I, I get it. I know that that's a, you know, um, a, a pro-life propaganda piece. And I just looked at some of the review experts, excerpts, and I, and I read this. With its solid production values, Unplanned has all the appearances of being a real film, but viewers in favor of abortion rights will find it to be pure propaganda. Writers, Writer-directors Chuck Konzelman and Carrie Solomon spend more time making their talking points than developing their characters who exist merely to make their arguments. And the reason I bring that up is because I think that is the antithesis of what Eliza Hittman does so well here. She's not trying to make her st- talking or make her arguments. And she doesn't create characters to have talking points except for maybe a few side characters because of what we've been talking about, that this movie is not about taking a stance on yeah, abortion, even though it does. It's about these characters. Now, that leads a little bit to one of the issues I had with this movie and it's those characters and how much we really ever get to know Autumn in this movie. And I wonder if that's a problem. There's a couple lines of dialogue, some throwaway lines. She tells Skylar to fuck off at one point and the, while they're sitting in the train station seemingly for no reason. And I felt like a 17 year old girl. I feel like that was part just, of it. Maybe, but I just feel like I didn't learn very much about these characters. I mean, there's a really large percentage of this movie where there is no dialogue 
between the characters. And there was an aspect of that that I liked because what are they going to say to each other at this point during what during this, you know, uh, journey that they're going through together? But cinematically, I was like, OK, I feel like maybe I need a little bit more from this character to really understand her. I understand what she's going through. I can empathize, but I don't think I know her. Yeah, I mean, I, going back to two weeks ago or last week or whenever, talking about what people should expect from these movies, I mean, you don't really get a sense of her. She's a little bit of an angry teenager. Mm-hmm. Um, and we we understand that from her stepdad or her dad or who, who whoever that guy was. We don't really know. But, I mean... Maybe the only recognizable face you see in this movie. Oh, was um, he? I didn't. I didn't recognize him. Yeah, he's in. Um, he's in a few things. Ryan. Ryan Eggold or something. Yeah, he's in. Yeah, I, I've seen him in a couple. You know, network TV shows. Um, um, but yeah, you don't really get a sense of her, and you don't really get a sense of Skylar either. I mean, Skylar is a is a generous person, I guess. You see, she's caring of her. But yeah, these characters aren't very. I don't know. They're. It's not that they're. They're nuanced. We said we seem we we understand them and we get yeah, to know them. Yeah, they're not one they, dimensional. They just don't have much personality. They're not right. that. Or I, I should say they're not that fun to spend you know a uh, hundred minutes with. You know, right. they're they're just and it's not that they're not fun. It's just that they don't have a lot going on except what's happening on screen. And um, and I think that they all they all have the the, the two actresses. Sydney Flanagan and Talia Ryder, Talia Ryder, are great. Both very good, but they also are, you know, unseasoned actresses who aren't really playing anything but kind of like normal teenage girls, albeit ones who are sort of facing extraordinary circumstances. At least at the moment, we are with them. Right, but I think that. I mean that this whole the way this movie's shot it's the almost the equivalent of the their acting you know everything is sort of this is the circumstance these are the real people let's just put you into this moment and not give you very much backstory because that's not really that important I think I think the sense of like we're almost we're almost a stranger that happened to be wandering around that's following these yeah. people. Um, and they could be anyone. They could be anyone on a train, anyone, you know, at an arcade in New York City, you know? Like, that's, that's I think, the sense that they were trying to accomplish with this, and I think they do. Um, now, all that being said, it's it's also, I to go back to my original question I don't know if I would recommend this movie to other people like who I I don't know who needs to see this and it's not groundbreaking enough it's not transcendent enough to be like all right you get this out of it you get this sort of filmmaking technique you get this acting you get there's nothing in it that's sort of beyond the pale where I would have to say yeah you should somebody should go see that Especially right now when, you know, it's not a movie that's, it's not a heartwarming movie. It's not a feel-good movie. It's a tough watch. No, but it's a powerful movie, I think. It is. Um, And I think that's worthy of a recommendation. I mean, you guys brought up the scene with the counselor. The entire shot is on her. She's forced to answer these questions. 
uh, and little by little, you see her breaking down, and that was a really, really powerful scene. It, it made that made the that scene made the movie for me, and what was ultimately a make or break scene, I think. Um, and I think it sort of changed the movie right there. It became more intimate. It definitely became more interesting and, and intimate. Yeah, but like a this bit. made me. I don't know. This made me think about your whiplash question, Lee, but in in reverse. You know, it's like. What well, do you, how do you approach a movie that is sort of minute by minute unenjoyable? <laughs> well, I, I think I wrote, I even wrote down, I think this movie is greater than the sum of its parts. I mean, I think, yes, I think there was some bad acting in this movie, which, which was, which hurt the movie more than bad acting generally hurts a movie because some of the things that weren't being pulled off is, or sympathy and empathy. And I think when you have certain characters that, their role is is to be sympathetic towards a character or their role is to be harsh towards a character and they're not hitting that note you you don't quite understand motivation so i think there was some some supporting characters that um you know ended up having scenes a bit lost um you know like i said i i maybe wanted a little bit more connection with autumn uh while i really liked the kind of silence in terms of the dialogue in this movie, there were moments where I felt like that aspect was dragging. But ultimately, I left this movie thinking it was powerful. And yes, I, as I a agree. result, it's greater than the sum of its parts. And I think, again, that's worthy of a recommendation. Now, look, there's a, a number of, of factors there. Yes, I don't think this is necessarily the ideal movie to watch these days. Just, because, just in terms of, you know... You know the world is difficult enough right now, um, and then on top of that, I think, you know, th- this is about a very polarizing subject. So there's a, there's an audience that will have no interest in this movie. But I don't so, think it's about that. It doesn't think, matter though. It will. But does that matter? I mean, no, it, it never matters when it's about abortion because then yeah. people make it about abortion. But you're, yeah, you're right, Jay. This movie's not a, not, it's not about that. It's, it's not about a pro-choice propaganda piece. But it's, you know, if somebody can separate themselves from it and appreciate for it for what it is, then absolutely, then they can watch it. But uh, I got a question for you guys. So, what do you think about the portrayal of sort of the other than the father, the one sort of male character in this movie, and it's a, a boy they meet on the uh, the bus over there. Well, every male character in this movie is a despicable human being. I yes. don't know. I don't know though. Like ultimately, no. no I think. Okay, I'm gonna fall in the middle here. I think. Go ahead. Well, let me let me explain where I I do think that they portray this this kid as like out for. N- out, out to do terrible things. But I think that's also partly the perspective of the women who have to navigate um, <laughs> the world. Okay. But there's a, no. a terrible, uh, that their boss at work, like, oh, yes. kisses him them for sure. through the I'm mail talking, slot. I'm talking about the, this kid. This I, I think in, a, in another circumstance, maybe those, maybe the girls would, like, want to hang out. Okay. But I think because of the circumstance that it makes him will look worse than maybe he is. I, I think that that character is is sort of brilliant in this movie because of the, of the writing of that character. Now, first of all, when he first talks to them on the bus, I was like, fuck, is that what we sound like? But... <laughs> <laughs> 
But yeah, then, so that that character's basically Chapin back in uh, <laughs> yeah, when he was, was 20 years old, heading to New York, going, hey, I got an awesome place. I'm going to see Rent, ladies. I don't know if you want. But I got an extra but ticket. Yeah, but I was on a bus. I here's was on a the plane. thing. He, he maybe has some, like, suspect motives. Maybe he's not his his heart's not in the right place. Maybe he wants to, you know... I don't think what's he ever the right really place though. Well, they don't. They never tell him well, what but this, they're doing. But this is the thing. He he's by himself the whole fucking time. He doesn't have well, any friends. Exactly. He doesn't have any friends there. So it's not like like this is this kid's like desperate attempt yeah, to like find some people... semblance of popularity. And yeah, maybe that means he's dangerous or whatever. But I think it's kind of smart to like show that this wasn't like two guys hitting on two girls. This was one lonely guy that keeps talking about this like great live music party that he's going to go to. And then when they call him two days later, he's still there by himself paying $90 to go bowling. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, I like how, I like how Lee's more upset. That he doesn't have friends. (laughs) Leave him alone. And no, but those are the kind of assholes that like hit on underage girls on a bus, you know. I, yeah, but I he's agree. not he's not particularly old. He's around their age. He is, and I do think he's a little bit of an asshole too because he continuously baits them to go like he yeah. he keeps saying come downtown with me. So he is not pure by any any you means. You definitely in the back of your mind are worried. <laughs> like you're worried that things are going to take a dark dark but, turn of and course. That it's always but he extreme, there. But like essentially makes that Makes um, Skyler make out with him for right. 120 that's, bucks. That's I mean, what, I probably would have made out with him for 120 bucks. That's what I mean. He he's not he's he's not necessarily doing the right thing in this movie. But I do think no, that this movie. But I don't think he's horrible. To, yeah, this okay, movie doesn't well, create a one-dimensional character with him, like they, I don't know. like it does with the boss at their grocery store. It, I right. I left this movie with the with the positive notion that I have this new perspective on the plight of a a teenage girl in a way that i had never had before but also i and i wondered if the the representation of men in this film was also meant for me to feel like women have felt watching you know awful i don't know gross out comedies from the early 2000s like how how women have been portrayed by male directors in the past because this was you might have to shape and you might have to say that again did uh, you broke up it might have recorded um, fine, but we didn't hear you. Okay. Uh, I guess what I'm trying to say is it, it, I was also wondering if maybe the way men were represented in this movie were was meant to make us realize how women feel when they watch movies that are directed from a very narrow male perspective. Because well, I, I think like there were no positive at all men male representations in this in this film. And in my mind, they were all horrendous human beings who treated women like objects and uh, were, you know, Well, there despicable. was really only two. I think you're, I no, think you're there's half the, right. I, the, I th- every man, the guy on the subway is getting his dick out for them. Yeah, look, I think you're, oh, I I think you're right. Him. <laughs> the I father think right. is awful, the, the, whatever. The, you know, every guy in this movie is terrible. I think um, what is the what, what is the uh, I, it was the hard kid's to find. Name? I think it's Brian Altimus is the actor. I think that's it, um, and he he's only credited as rowdy student. But I couldn't. Um, find. Well, anyway, that that actor. I think I think there's some debate 
on on just in in terms of how defined that character was. But Chapin, you're not wrong. He is he is ultimately kind of a sleaze bag, and he gets what he wants because he is in a in a in a power position uh, with these girls. He has money that they need. He has you know the resources that they need to kind of make their way through New York. And I think that this movie does try to give us a representation of how women that age see men. And especially yeah. in that first scene, which is why I said, shit, why is that what we sound like? Because <laughs> I knew I knew that that was coming. As soon as that guy sat down there and then the shot held on Skyler, I was like, okay, here comes the hey. And he gets yeah. their attention and doesn't leave him alone for the bus ride. I knew that was coming because I know that's how guys act. And I think that that's, well, I think that that's fine. And it's not bad to talk to a woman on the bus but it's the pestering it's the it's the trying to take control no, of the situation look, and i think that that's totally well, well they represented also set in this, this movie. up with the 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 terrible uh manager at the supermarket that it's just right. black and white how bad he is he's like they give him the money and uh just doing their jobs putting the money into the slot and at the end of the day and he has to like lick their hands and stuff so there these two women are already basically navigating this and are, are are on high alert because they deal with it on a daily basis you see that already yeah sure so, but, I mean, <laughs> but come on <laughs> Uh, look, like, like, if you, uh, I, what I, my perspective on this is, if you're making me understand how, I how women have been portrayed in movies, fine. But this is this isn't a fair representation. Do you think? I mean, it's of what it's, of men? Yeah. Okay. No, but I, not I think in it's, not in anybody except for. I think this 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 guy they meet in New York. I yeah, think I think that's probably the most realistic character in the one. Um, I mean, I, and Theodore Pellerin is his name, is the actor's name. Really, Teddy? Yeah, uh, yeah wait, the, the the Rowdy student is the guy who, like, she throws the water in his face at the pizza parlor. It's presu- uh, presumably, the guy okay. who is maybe the father of her child. Who knows? Yeah, we don't know. Um, yeah, look, I think I think there's. Uh, I love how I love how we've we've resorted to a conversation on how the men are portrayed in this movie. No, but, but I mean, it, I'm not, yeah, I didn't I didn't want to get into that. That's not that's not what I'm. I guess I'm not. Look, I'm agreeing with you. I I think that that part of the problem with this movie is that it does in fact overemphasize the 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 bad people in this movie or the people that we don't agree with here. And like I said, this is not a pro-choice pro-life movie, but they have these horribly on the nose scenes where she plays, she's at the first clinic uh, to inquire about what to do about her pregnancy. And they play a fucking pro-life video for her. But maybe that's realistic. Maybe that happens. Of course it is. It definitely is. But that, that wasn't portrayed well in terms of, uh, in terms of the movie. Like it just wasn't captured well. And when you overemphasize, the the boss at the grocery store kissing their hands every time um they like i just feel like that stuff made it seem like guys so, Jamie, in general are despicable you're annoyed by the by how men are perceived no i'm not this. annoyed i just don't think i don't think it was it, it, it didn't treat them with the same kind of subtlety it treated a lot of the rest no, of this movie no not no and even the women at the 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 women at the if you look at the if you if we we position this film as a 
it's not a political one, but it's definitely one I think that, as you said, Jeremy, falls down on pro-choice. It has a lot of empathy and sympathy for these girls who go through this. And I think the... But even the women at that clinic um, in her hometown, which you find out they lied to her so she wouldn't have an abortion. They got in the way of... So she couldn't almost. So she couldn't have one. Um, Even they are more fairly represented because they, they aren't like overly... They aren't judgmental of her. They have some like motherly qualities to them. They they seem approachable and 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 layered. Whereas the other guys in this film are just not that way. And 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 that's fine. I I think that that it, it like again. I I don't. I'm sure people have felt this way who aren't me. You know, like I'm trying to sort of let go of my unconscious bias and. Um, People who aren't straight white guys like probably see this in movies all the time. Why is the one person in this? Why is the one black guy in this movie a drug dealer? Why is the one you know one Asian person in this movie a a genius? Why are all Asian you know like things like that? And so maybe her role here is is also te- showing how awful it is for women out there because of how lecherous men can be. But also you know this is the way women have been represented in movies for. Um, on the other side of things. Yeah. yeah, I think the important part of the whole thing, and I think the part we can uh, all agree on, is that what ultimately she's trying to get accomplished is the what it's like for these two young ladies to navigate uh, interpersonal relationships of men while they're doing this thing in New York. Like, to be extra... To, to understand the extra caution. To feel like... Okay, what 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 are their motivations? Like you you get that from this movie. You you wonder it too. You you go, "Oh, okay. What what do they really want? Where is this really going?" And I think it does that successfully whether or not it's portraying the men in a fair way. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean it's it's I just think it's if this has a a, a propaganda bone in its body, it's that you know, women who are going to get abortions aren't, you know, m- you know, murdering baby haters. Like they're they're women that are going through something like a really really difficult part uh, part of their life sure. and have to make these decisions. And in and in many cases, I'm sure have to make them on their own. And you know, are are consistently trying to get past roadblocks. So. Like- that reminds th- me of that one scene where she calls her mom and then has to hang up because she's so close to having to tell her mom what's happening, but she realizes she can't. Exactly. And, and you know, what this movie didn't have, really, and I'm glad it didn't, is it didn't – we didn't see a big scene with, where she had to – I mean, there was I, – I think there was a, a, a short bit of it, but it wasn't a scene where she had to walk through a protest in front of Planned Parenthood where people are – you know, holding pictures of dead babies and stuff like that. Well, there so, was that scene, and it, I think it was effective. Yeah, but it wasn't. It wasn't. Again, it comes back to this not being a propaganda piece. But it wasn't there to, you know, say, you know, no, these are the not, bad people. These are the yeah, good people. But it it's is actually quite a peaceful rally, right? So it's it's there to show you that women who are getting abortions aren't doing it 
to kill a baby, which is, you know, an argument that exists. It's they're doing it because they feel like this is their their option. This is what they have to do, and it's their choice to make. And that's what this movie does really works hard to and successfully emphasizes. All right. Well, on that note, you guys ready to do some trivia? God. <laughs> yes. All right. So how we're going to play this game is basically I got a bunch of movie trivia up in front of me. I also got a trivia app on the old smartphone. I'm going to go through. I'm going to keep score. Um, let's do the first person with... Let's do seven questions correctly. Chapin, why don't you go first? Okay. Hot as you like. All right, Chapin. Yes. What was the first movie by Pixar to receive a rating higher than G in the United States? <laughs> That's a good one. Uh... And Lee, I'll let you steal if you can, and then give you another question. So, Lee, don't cheat. I'm not. I'm thinking. Um, Toy Story two. It was The Incredibles. Ah, received a PG rating for action violence. I shouldn't. I didn't even let you go, Lee. I was going to um, guess up for thematic elements. Yeah. Ooh. All Sorry. right. Zero points for Chapin. All right, Lee, you ready? Ready. In what movie did Mr. Sidney Poitier, great actor, One of my say, friends. they call me In Mr. In the heat of the Tibbs. night. Oh, yeah. Just watched it recently, too. Really? Yeah. All right. So that's one point for Lee. All right, Chapin, I'm going to give you uh, one I think you're probably going to get here. For what movie did Steven Spielberg win his first Oscar for Best Director? Schindler's List. It, isn't it a brilliant film? Yes. I like how, I like how your last two questions literally are, allowed you to take lines from The Office. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> we were talking earlier about uh, Dostoevsky, right? All right. Um, Lee, what was the first feature-length animated movie ever released? Fantasia. Uh, Chapin, I'll let you try to steal it. Steamboat Willie. Uh, Feature-length is Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. So were those movies not feature-length? Well, Snow White might have come before Fantasia. Oh, it definitely did by like 30 years, I think. No. Mm Mm-hmm. 1940. Right. Uh, so or, th- or three years. Chapin's up. Chapin is up. Chapin, in what 1950 drama does Betty Davis say, fasten your seatbelt, it's going to be a bumpy night? All About Eve? All About Eve, correct. Ah, damn it. Chapin with two points. What does Lee have? One. one. Yes. Ali, what famous L.A. landmark is heavily featured in Rebel Without a Cause and also in uh, La La Land? Um, the Griffith Observatory. Correct. They talk about 
Rebel Without a Cause in La La Land when they go to it. Correct. Um, all right, I'm gonna pull up. That's annoying. I'm gonna pull up my app right now. <laughs> Taven, and... I like. I never realized that you have never really officially even seen La La Land, and you just constantly deride it. Yep. All right, um, Lee. Yep. Oh, Chapin. You just sorry. went. So Chapin, Chapin. In Risky Business, what song did Tom Cruise famously lip sync to in his underwear? Old time rock and roll. Nice. Did a, not think you were going to get that. Fucking layup. Uh, Lee, which 1964 musical blockbuster did Julie Andrews win the Academy Award for Best Actress? Oh, Sound God, of Music. Of fucking layups. Mary Poppins. Yeah! Really? <laughs> 1964? Yep. When was Sound of Music? I knew there was a twist there. When I, even I was going to say, oh, of course, Sound of Music was 1965. Fuck. Why do you give Chapin a twist on the risky business one instead of giving him a fucking easy one? And also, I, Mary I Poppins was 2018 calm, starring calm Emily down. Blunt. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Damn it. I always forget that Julie Andrews was Mary Poppins, too. Lost herself uh, in that role. Chapin. Yes. In what 1979 James Bond movie does the famous spy go to outer space? Moonraker. Oh, wow. I would never have gotten that. I would probably not have gotten that either. Uh, All right. You should be able to get this one, Lee. Who played iconic femme fatale Phyllis Dietrichson in this classic 1946 film? Um, Barbara Stanwyck. You got it. I wasn't. I was worried. I wasn't going to remember. In double indemnity. Correct. Uh, who? Chapin. Who's the first actor to play Jack Ryan on screen? Alec Baldwin. Nice. Thought you'd go with Harrison Ford. Can we have a quick score update? John Krasinski. All right, Lee's up next. He is down by two. Lee has three points. Chapin has five. And it's first to seven, right? And it's first to seven. Fuck. Okay. First to seven? We're going to have to fight another game. Getting (laughs) these so quickly. Um, these are too easy. Who is the only Lee? Who is the only person ever to receive an Oscar nomination for acting in a Star Wars movie? Alec Guinness. You got it. Damn it! It's like because nobody's ever been good in those movies. I'm trying to figure out who it was. Uh, Chapin. What actress's name who voices uh, Princess Elsa in the Frozen films did John Travolta botch at the 2014 Oscars? Indina Menzel. Star of wow. Uncut Gems. You have to say it like John Travolta did. Indela Menzine or whatever. <laughs> Lee, yep. three of Jim Carrey's blockbusters, The Mask, Dumb and Dumber, 
and Ace Ventura Pet Detective were all released in what year? Wow, I didn't know that. Uh, 1990... Fuck. I know the answer. Well, I'll let you... All right, I got Please. it. I got it. It's just—it's gonna be a guess, but it's just like a three, I mean, it's like a three-year span that I'm. But I know um, the exact year. Nineteen ninety-five. It's four. Fuck. It is. It's nineteen ninety-four. Literally, just talked myself out of nineteen ninety-four too. Mm, that's too bad. Oh, fuck yourself, Chapin. All right, Chapin. I mean, that's seven points for Chapin, right? Yeah. Well, we're gonna go to nine now. Okay. Good. Give me a chance to catch up. I'm crumbling here. All right. How many Oscars has Meryl Streep actually won? Not how many is she nominated for. How much? How many has she actually won, Chapin? I think... One. Nope, it's not one. Lee, Two. for the steal. Um, all right. So Kramer versus Kramer is one. Um, probably a random movie. Uh, it's not a lot. Fuck. Three. You got it. Oh, that was a lucky guess. <laughs> Kramer versus right. Kramer. What else? Let's see. Well, Sophie's Choice. Oh, yeah, Sophie's Choice. That's the other one I should have got. Uh, and Iron Lady. That's the other one I was thinking, but I didn't know if she won for that. Uh, she didn't. Did she win? Yeah. Ugh. That's too bad, mate. All right, Lee. Um, I asked, you actually, I oh, think, no, sorry, that was golden. Glo- that was Golden Globe. Anyway, go ahead. Well, do we, should we make sure that... Uh, here we go. Meryl. <laughs> oh, no, I'm right. It was right. Yeah, yeah. She did win the Oscar for it. Iron Lady. Okay. Sophie's Choice. And uh, Kramer vs. Kramer. All right. Lee, uh, near the end of Vertigo, a movie I think you've relatively recently rewatched, when Judy transforms into Madeline, she is bathed in what color light? Green. You got it. Yes. All right. So score update: Lee six, Chapin seven. Right. Coming back. Chapin, for what yeah. movie did George Clooney win his sole acting Oscar to date? Syriana. Fuck. Great. I knew that one too. I'm gonna steal that one. Syriana. All right. Let's see here. Awful lot of trivia about Oscars. Not, I mean, obviously we would know the answer to the Fixies, so. I actually don't know this. Um, <clears throat> which, Lee, which film earned Stanley Kubrick a Razzie nomination for Worst Director? Um... Eyes wide shut. No, it was it was not. Chapin for the win. 
Shining. You got it, Chapin. <sighs> I knew it was going to be. Chapin wins. I knew it was a movie that like to six. was actually really good, and people somehow well, was, just didn't he hasn't understand. Really made a bad movie. That was that was incredible, an incredible win. Um, okay. You you will win a prize. I'll send you something um, via email. Thank you. Nice picks, dick picks. Uh, it's a surprise prize. Fuck, I'm not, and I don't get it. I'm going to have to win next yeah. time. Uh, all right, so there was a, another attempt at a movie game, and uh, hopefully you guys uh, enjoyed that. We're answering at home saying, oh, I can't believe they didn't know that. What a bunch of idiots. Uh, or, oh, aren't they so smart? I would never have gotten these. Um, so that's going to wrap it up for this edition of the Get Your Film Fix podcast. Um, feedback at getyourfilmfixpodcast.com if you have any questions, comments, uh, or any ideas for uh, future <laughs> games. Yeah, we're going to keep making them up if you guys don't give us more ideas or tell us to stop. <laughs> Please stop. <laughs> stop. And that's going to do it. I'm staying. I'm finishing my coffee. Enjoying my coffee.